for Kirk's sake. Name recognition, oh my god! Oh, hey, turn on FNN. Oh, before I forget, let's rock and roll. Yes, hello and good evening, or good afternoon, I suppose. Normally we're in the evening. Uh, Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3 Episode 1 is over as, as debuted out there in the uh, nethers, uh, Grounded. But we're just getting started here on Live Long and Podcast. I'm Dave Mater, and I'm joined with Chris Murphy to break down this episode howdy, for you. Howdy, howdy. How are you doing, Chris? Good, sir. How are you? I'm well. Um, back for uh, another season of Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, this is the third season that we're covering here on Live Long and Podcast. Every episode, this is one of the the, uh, the few series that I can say we've we've been here since the beginning. And I'm, ex but this is the first time we're discussing uh, Lower Decks. Um, Chris, you've come into our podcast uh, network uh, in the last few months. Uh, welcome. Thank you, thank you. No, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it's kind of been cool, cool and fun to just sort of uh, trip into the to the podcast. Uh, always been a Star Trek fan um, since a kid, you know. Um, and and yeah, coming in to like talk about it with you guys has been cool. Hopping in on strange new worlds, and uh, I was I was a big fan of uh, Lower Decks for the first two seasons when they came out. So I thought it'd be cool to just kind of hop in and talk about this new season with you and the boys. Um, and hopefully maybe some special guests, who knows? Who's to say? Uh, and, and maybe, uh, and, and, and uh, well, we know each other through um, my cousin Davin, who you know from, uh, you know, many years now. Um, and uh, Davin and I got reconnected on the podcast. So anyway, we're here to talk Lower Decks. Um, and uh, the episode grounded. And we were left with a cliffhanger at the end of season two. Captain Freeman, she's been arrested um, for the destruction. Well, we thought it was the destruction of Pac-Led Planet. It turns out it was yeah. more just a bomb that affected a city. Um, and and we're, we start here like, okay, like Captain Freeman is under arrest. What are the What's the crew going to do about it? Uh, it turns out um, the lower deckers don't really have to do anything. There's like It's all being solved sort of off screen. Um, and it's more about just getting our leads back together. Um, so just to, we'll jump into some screenshots, break down this episode. Um, but we're, we get the first um, uh, on-screen appearance of a news network in the Federation, the FNN. Uh, clearly, the, the, the uh, I, well, we presume the Federation News Network. Uh, yeah, that would have to make sense. When like, I saw that, I was like, oh, this is neat. This is, this is something they've never really like played upon before. There has to be media in the, in the future of... of you know, Star Trek and such like that. So, like, um, yeah, yeah, I thought this was a great way to start the, the new season. I guess like, we saw uh, a little bit of that yeah. in Star Trek Picard in the the very first episode. Like, he's doing that interview with, like, a news reporter. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, But they never really, like, I don't think they called it FNN or anything like that. It, they just, it was just, like, generic. Oh, he's having an interview and he's being broadcast on, like, the live stream network of Federation Space. Like, uh I, I can't remember if it was called FFN, FNN or not, but um, yeah. And yeah. I don't know if you've ever watched uh, Babylon Five, but um, yeah, my parents were a big fan of Babylon Five. They grew up a lot watching that. Um, they were uh, so I, I, I never watched 
it from front to back, but I've seen it, so I'm familiar with it, yeah. Yeah, and in that show, they have like something called the ISN, the Interstellar Network, uh, which uh, is used as for propaganda at times by like this kind of evil regime on Earth, and there's a lot going on in Babylon 5, so I, I got vibes of that. We meet the mm. anchor here, Sylvia Ront, um, and we get some interesting like little clips here along the bottom of the screen to start, you know, the, the FNN, the News of the Galaxy, Admiral Jellicoe, Vance uh, Zebulon sisters, Zebulon sisters from active duty starships. Um, <laughs> so he's been promoted to Admiral by this point. This is like 2381, I guess we're in now. Uh, the Zebulon sisters. I can't remember exactly what that is in reference to, if anything. It's not the Delaney uh, sisters from Voyager. No, I don't believe so. But the word, uh, the, the name Zebulon does like <laughs> ring a bell. So like, it's gotta mm. be, it's gotta be something. Um, uh, we got this other one here, Buffalo solar Knights eclipse, the London Kings. So baseball is back. It looks like <laughs> in game one of the ELDS. Um, so, uh, was we know in like the time, like in next generation, they established that like baseball wasn't popular and then through deep space nine it like in Cisco and, uh, some other things, it seems like it did come back to popularity by this point. Uh, it's all been about the trial. I like how they they had some scandalous uh, screenshots here of the Cerritos senior officers, uh, including yeah. um, Ransom and uh, Dr. Tiana, uh, you know, like saying the F off. And we, we don't, we, <laughs> get out of here, pa paparazzi. Uh, yeah, just... no, that classic scene. And a six-year-old yeah. Zach Dorn is the youngest to become the Stratagema Grandmaster. The Zach Dorn we saw on D-Space 9, uh, they're kind of like these okay. big, goonish looking guys uh there was like the twin brother zach dorns uh and we see here this is like the captain freeman uh we'll find out this is like just a hollow projection or something yeah. like that what is a country stampede dozen teens injured during uh rushing stage at something yeah school uh, maybe and we also see that these alien things are going to come through these pink, like alien ribbon things, uh, <laughs> which we'll find orgy out in space. Big space <laughs> orgy coming by Earth. No transporters won't work uh, in the meantime. So they're setting all that up. Um, and uh, we got some screen smashes here. It's uh, it's it's you know Mariner with her dad. Um, I think we get his actually get his first name in this episode. Um, I love that it's it's Phil Lamar that plays her dad. Like he's such a great voice actor, and he's you know, yeah, it's Phil Lamar from like and Mad TV and uh, Pulp Fiction Jack and like uh, oh, dude, he's been he's been a voice actor in so many cartoons. He's such a legend. The name they give us is Alonzo. So he's a Al he's Alonzo Freeman. Why is this happening? Um, hold on. Just gonna keeps doing that little uh, screenshot. Anyway, so she's smashing screens, um, and and uh, and uh, he's like, you know, you can just turn them off. It's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, you don't need to break them like this. <laughs> just bring this down. He's, he's, I, I love how basically the premise of this episode is is you know um, she she's she's for the most part. It, it, I don't know. It's it seems like it's it's almost like a conjunction of the first two seasons, and they're just trying to like jam pack it into the sense that she doesn't trust the Federation fully, even though that's kind of the things that they've been trying to stretch it out for the first two seasons through all our adventures with each one, each member of the ship, and stuff like that. And then this is just like she's freaking out so much, she's going out of her way to like, you know, 
pull her mom out of essentially uh, jail. And her dad's just like, trust the system. You just got to yeah. trust the system. Right? Yeah, sorry. I'm just keeping uh, my, my thing keeps uh, like, re re I think I fixed it. Okay. So yeah, he's like, just trust the system here. Um, I know I got, I did get his uh, little speech here. You just need to be patient and trust in the system. Oh, you mean the same system that's now putting her on trial? Oh yeah, yeah. I freaking love the system. You know, it's like the it's just like the bridge. People like the bridge. I like the bridge. Ugh, the longer I'm <laughs> off a ship, the more useless I feel. Like that, like that big dumb red thing. Matt, could you know that's the Golden Gate Bridge? Nobody thrives anymore. Why do you need a bridge? This planet's whack. It's whack. She's just she's go, she's always going. And Mar the Mariner's like I guess fatal flaws. Like she always thinks like she knows better than everybody else. She doesn't like to yeah. work in a system. But she is a good Starfleet officer in all but sort of this ability to listen. And just to kind of like yeah. trust for things. She has she she's very impatient, right? But you think she would notice that you know the Golden Gate Bridge is now just a giant solar panel? <laughs> like, <laughs> you think she would have flown by it once or twice? <laughs> yeah, no, that's all it is, right? Like you can't even like I guess wouldn't joggers use it at least or somebody? But uh, um... I'm sure there's probably a running path, but I think for the most part they've turned all roads into just like solar panels to power the city because yeah. that would cars make are kind of sense. Yeah, a point pointless. Um, yeah. This this other admiral calls up uh, her dad, um, who she calls an uncle, but I don't think he's an actually their uncle. Her uncle, maybe he is. Um, he's a vice admiral. We're in the uh, like the the gray top uh, style, uh, and basically saying like the lawyer that's been picked to go against um, Captain Freeman is uh, is some kind of like planet's rights as extremist or something like that. Like I guess to play on states' rights. Uh, he says hello, but you know, Mariner is basically smashing things, breaking things. He's like, "Why don't you just get stop using like um, breakable things in your house?" And he's like, "I don't really know." So that that's kind of <laughs> like that's that, that's the setup for the uh, the episode as it stands. Um, we, one little update here in the opening credits, uh, Chris, uh, is that um, every season we see that there's this battle in the in the in the first season. It's like it's the Borg cube against just some um, Klingon birds of prey. And then, like last season, they added in second season they added like Romulan warbirds as well, or maybe okay. it was like, or like they they keep adding things. Now they've added like crystalline entities and packled ships, and they're all having this big battle. And and the Cerritos just flies up to it and, and flies off. <laughs> okay, that's a nice touch. I didn't notice that before. Yeah. That's so really every cool. it seems like every season they're gonna make this like they'll probably throw something else and they'll throw like eight four seven two into next season or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised if this turns out to like some sort of like okay in the final episode this is what it's been leading to. Yeah. Uh, we come back after the credits. Uh, we're we're well. We don't know exactly where we are. I was like, are we in France? Are we at Chateau Picard? But no, no we are no. We are not. We are in Boimler's <laughs> Boimler's raisin maids. <laughs> his raisin plantation. Um, yeah. He, yeah, he's. Uh, this is um, this is Modesto, California, uh, which is right near San Francisco. Um, and we see this fly comes up, and Boimler accidentally uh, swallows it. Um, and, and and we find out he doesn't like being at home too much. He hates he hates uh, being here. Uh, <laughs> Ugh, I hate being home. I'll do anything to get away from these raisins. It's already going to take me a month to get the smell out of my hair. It's a raisin <laughs> plantation, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, I, I love, I just love the fact that he has all these raisin maids that are just like very thirsty for Boimler. 
just oh, like yeah, well, you know, to him. Yeah. Well, well, we see Mariner's there, and she's like, "Will you come help me? Will you come on this like kind of rogue mission?" He's like, "Sure, I'm in." She's like, "Well, normally I had to convince you." Yeah. And so like these these different like raisin maids or whatever was going on here. I don't really like. He's completely um, uh, oblivious. This is the first one. Hey, Bradward. Want to test the sweetness of my bushel? Oh, fine, Genevieve. Fine, Genevieve. I will taste the uh, the sweetness of your bushel. And he's just like, get out of here. I hate you. Uh, I don't no, know. He's, like, he's like, it needs like three to four more hours of sun. You know, this Genevieve and just like tells her to like walk away. It's like, oh, my God. I love how he's just so casual and has no idea. It's beautiful. Right. Because he has to. Yeah, he has to explain that. Like, she's like, I thought like you, uh, you made wine. He was like, oh, I wish we made wine. We boimlers dry grapes. Just dry them and dry them and dry them till they're all shriveled and hopeless and stuck on earth forever. <laughs> <laughs> not happy about it uh the second girl is uh she's really funny too i like she uh even more um on there where here she is bradward all these varietals are so confusing take me to the privacy of the pickery shed and explain them to me come on mandolina red goes in the red bucket white in the white you know that mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's going on oh sorry um, oh, Batman! Sweet. <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, I, I went, I, I went a little too much there. Um, so we got some comments coming in. We got oh. Jeremy Caulfield saying, "I believe that the uh, the, the press was on board for Enterprise B." And yeah, that's right. There was there was some reporters there, but we didn't see exactly what the network was. Uh, and and don't solar panels need to have? Don't need solar panels when you have fusion power plants. So. Oh, you muted yourself there, Chris. Uh, uh, yeah, I was just saying, uh, I remember like several scenes in several Star Treks where they fly by the bridge and it's just like a bunch of solar panels on the thing, isn't it? Or could I be wrong? I think I have seen solar panels on there, but yeah, he's point. Like, I guess like they could, they could be doing both. Uh, mm. Extra power. You can always have more power. Um and, uh, and Sam, hey, Sam, our friend from Newfoundland. Hey, feels weird they were on so early. Yes, but I, uh, it's my anniversary tonight with my wife and uh, Jamil and Jeff will be on later tonight on Super Mater Brothers podcasting to talk about Big Brother 24. And uh, oh, and Davin might be may make it by the tail end. Toronto has cursed him. Nothing works as it should. So uh, Davin's having a rough time <laughs> in uh, over there. Anyway, so different. Uh, they, they come up with this plan here that they're going to. Uh, go off and try to, you know, save uh, Captain Freeman. He talks about his logs here, Boimler. Uh, these guys, these different logs, and they can maybe use this to exonerate Captain Freeman. So that's kind of what they're coming. Written by Chris Kula. I, the reason I, I pulled out this shot was just because uh, this is the first premiere of uh, of a Lower Decks episode not written by Mike McMahon himself. Uh, he, you know, and normally um, I don't like the first episode. Uh, well, first the first episode of season one and the first episode of season two, I thought were kind of whatever. So I thought mm -hmm. that this was actually a much better episode. Um, even though I think Mike McMahon's very funny, I think he does very much. He does a lot better. It seems like with the finales of the seasons, mm -hmm. which he tends to write as well. Um, and uh, that's interesting because I was kind of feeling like this first episode was kind of a nothing burger. I mean, it was like really cool hints and we'll get to that in a bit but like yeah for the most part i i kind of felt like this first episode was a little weak so far 
but yeah. Well, it's yeah, like they tend the seasons tend to get stronger. I guess is what it more, it's not even that they're bad. It's just that the episodes like um, you norm it's it's usually that the first episode of any of these lower deck seasons isn't the strongest. I think we're probably gonna get that again. Where you're right, mm-hmm. like I don't think we're gonna remember grounded that much, but uh, it has some nice moments. Um, anyway, so and I always like I I do like the whole I do like this this crew. I like them getting back together. This kind of uh, seemed like a little bit like after um, the best of both worlds, where you know they're kind of at home the ship is 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 getting repaired or whatever and so the crew is they uh, are not grounded as, per se they are they are <laughs> grounded per se uh and then we get our last uh our last uh, gr- um raisin plantation uh lady here last I'm raisin soaked in juice and i need help getting naked just spray off with the hose leanne <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we, we, we pay a visit here to Cisco's, uh, Chris, um, uh, Cisco's Creole restaurant, uh, the, uh, Joseph Cisco himself, uh, where, uh, where Captain Benjamin Cisco grew up, uh, along with his other siblings, uh, working at this restaurant where he'll go at the end of season six of D space nine to, you know, um, clean some clams or whatever he was doing. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and if we see we get Rutherford and Tendier here. Having some some uh, some some good times while they're grounded here, um, taking taking some pictures, <laughs> having a nice dinner date, walking really? around, are they checking really, all the spots. Wait, because there's been hints that these two are kind of romantic or might become romantic at some point. Uh, I don't think they've really made that official, but yeah, there's definitely seems like there's that sort of connection, you know, like. But they could also just completely play it off as like a platonic friendship thing too. In the end, yeah, they they've um, hinted at it a few times, but they never yeah. like fully um, gone there. Um, but the, these two are close, and I guess also uh, Boimler and and uh, uh, Mariner are kind of like close as well, and they're all friends. But there's mm-hmm. like that's kind of like the two pairs, I guess, is, is within yeah. this group. Uh, we see the FNN is on the, the the screen, kind of giving the same report that we saw at the top of the episode. Uh, Rutherford and Tendy are talking about like all the places on Earth she's never been, even though she's been to Starfleet Academy for four years. She just kind of stayed in San Francisco. She says uh, that she's whole like, time. I just, I just hung out in my dorm, just doing homework. <laughs> yeah, like, and she's but but like they have summers, don't they? Like they and things. I like mean, that. you would assume, but. Uh... You know, if you're really that dedicated to learning the sciences, your your summer is a beacon or a jar or I, I don't know. I'm just pulling words out my ass at this point. But you know, what, whatever she's doing, I'm sure she's like so dedicated to it that yeah, time that makes off sense. is not a thing to her, right? She doesn't want to mess it up. I get it. Yeah. Um, and you know, they see the report here. We see. I guess that's that lawyer um, that was. Um, they talked about the planet's rights people uh, as they're prosecuting um, uh, Captain uh, Freeman. You know they're they're in just duress about this. They're talking about it, and this is where we get the big reveal here. And it's Mariner. And <laughs> they're like, "Were you just waiting for that perfect moment to say something?" She's like, um, "Oh yeah." Boimler just kind of <laughs> breaks it all down. Shows up. Already has like, like a cocktail or something going on here. Um, and I like how Boimler always just constantly is just like bringing her down a few pegs, like without. Yeah, they without have a good They've established a good dynamic amongst these uh, these characters and how they kind of interact with each other. We see this hot sauce on the table at Cisco's. Um, it's Ketracel White Hot, which is a great, great little uh, joke there. 17 million Scoville units. 
Yeah, that's a little extreme. I think like the hottest pepper on earth is only two million Scovilles. Um, so I don't, or at most three. So this would be extreme. Uh, this would be Ketracel white hot, uh, despite being red. Um, and uh, Boimler puts a little bit of it in whatever gumbo he's having here at Cisco's. Uh, but he's he's kind of like dying of the heat the whole time. We see that Mariner will have a bit on hers, and she just goes, "Oh, it is a little." Little spicy. She put the lot. She just pours a hole in. <laughs> just pours a whole ton of it in. Uh, you know, and yeah, Mar- or Boimler just Boimler just dying from this. And she's like, <laughs> Whatever, but they, but basically, they're all they're all the end of the result of the scene is they're they're gonna go um, try to transport in to get Boimler's logs that they think they need because uh, they don't trust the system. She doesn't trust the system, so she needs to go rogue. So yeah. they go to this like transporter facility. It's just called the transport, the restricted transporters facility. This is a little bit like their version of Star Trek Insurrection, I guess, or even Star Trek Three, like the search for Spock. They're kind of going on their little civilian mission here, out of uniform. Yeah, yeah, right. And they got they got to go in here, and knock the, the guy out, and then try to you know in order to get to the Cerritos, and they're all ready to go here. And it's just this guy who's wearing like he's not even wearing the current uniform. He's wearing like a like an early twenty three seventies kind of jumpsuit here. So maybe they just never bothered to tell him that the uniform with a changed. sweater with a sweater but, over it. like a sweater here. Yeah, he's like a, he, they call him the chief. Uh, yeah. Do we get like a name for this guy? Um, uh, I didn't catch it. I was just kind of was like, what's this about again? <laughs> when I was like uh, watching it, I, I like half attention to this scene. Uh, Chief Carlton Dennis is what his, his name is. Um, anyway, so he's like the nicest guy ever, and um, he, he's gonna show them around. You know, he's like, Are you the kids from the cadets? Are you cadets here to learn about transporter technology? And they're like, Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what we're here for. Uh, he's like, Come on, along, I'll show you. Um, that's my old man voice, and uh, <laughs> and, and he's like, and the Rutherford's all impressed that he like he fixes up old transporters. That's like his things. Mm. He's a he's a bit of a buffer buffer, a buffer buffer. Buff. buffer. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit of a buffer buff. It was good. It was a good one. Um, uh, and then like Mariner's about to do the whole knock him out thing here, and then she she can't do it. She's like, I can't yeah. do it. He's like the nice grandpa. And even offers, nice, grandpa. even offers like a Werther's original to them right there. And I couldn't help <laughs> but think of like my grandmother, who is Davin's great aunt, uh, always um, was given out as Werther's originals. I wonder if he ever had a few. Out there. Oh, I'm sure he did. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's coming along here. Uh, he's like, no, most kids are only here to knock me out and then uh, use the transporter, but you're not like that. And they're like, oh, well. So they kind of come clean to hit. Oh, if, after he, he points a phaser at them here. And they're like, <laughs> freak oh, out. That's, yeah, they just freak out. They're like, no, no, no. He's like, I'm sorry there. It's like, I won't stun you, I promise. Let's go. Where did you want to go? I can't transport you off space, but, you know. Yeah, and so they said they just make friends with this guy, and he's like, here's a bowl of soup. Um, he gives them some food, uh, and he explains to them that they can't even, even if he wanted to help them, he couldn't right? because the transporter uh, is going to be blocked by the space orgy that's uh, pending here. With the, uh, <laughs> coming out of here, oh, transport fail. No, nobody. So you can't beam anywhere off Earth during this particular time of period, period of time, right? So I was like, well, why don't they just use a shuttle? 
Like, I don't understand. Uh, I guess they, that's ultimately what they do, right? Or Well, yeah, I think the problem is they couldn't use the shuttle because it was, uh, for the most part, um, they probably didn't have access. Like, they were off-duty, like, officially because they're under investigation. Better than hard candy. That's all one large lump. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that happens sometimes. Anyway, so they kind of... Um figure out that they need to like get up there so they decide that this is where they're going to get their ship from and they go to like bozeman montana uh <laughs> the site that we saw in star trek first contact but we saw it in the 21st century and it's become kind of like a disneyland oh, yeah. kind of thing it's just called, park it's so funny it's just called bozeman uh or they should have bozeland or something like that um, bozeland would have been so much better oh wow yeah <laughs> I should be on the writer staff. Um, I know, right? uh, so uh, some interesting shots here. We see the Zephram Cochran statue that we got to see in Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, there's like a little statuette of it on in like Archer's like ready room. Uh, but we get to kind of see the real life version of it. I love, I love the expression on Zephram Cochran's yeah. face. He's just like, yeah, that way. Right. <laughs> it's not because he's supposed to be like reaching up, like all like heroic. And in the, this yeah. lower decks version, he's just like given like the, Almost the point in the in the the wing. <laughs> um, here's interesting things to like look at. Here they got like um, the carnival games where you hit like the the, the, the mallet on the point. There uh, anyway. Um, I don't know who this guy was supposed to be, but he's I guess he's like a historical reenactor. Um, we get of course got to have churros, right? Yeah, I think this is just to like churros. show how much of like a, a of a tourist trap this is still in like the future. Um, and we see like Tendi and Rutherford are, are, are even particularly into this. Got a great quote here uh, from them on that. Um, oh, oh, they're just like the 21st century. It's just like post-World War III. It's just like post-World War III. <laughs> did, did you hear the like the little like violin background? They're like... Dee, 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 oh, yeah. Dee, they, dee, they put a ton of like the um, the first contact score by... Uh, by uh, which, which is actually like it's my anniversary today and that's what jane walked down the aisle to was to that music so oh, i was like the, the, the jerry goldsmith um score um and, you know I, oh hey that's the bar um <laughs> i know i pulled this one too um oh my gosh there's the crash and burn bar with its famous one song jukebox it's famous it's one, one jukebox. song jukebox i think it was <laughs> hey that's right so that's the that's the one uh jukebox song like, that's why he's only got one song at that jukebox um the, the, they're like there's the vulcan ship i love how it's just been turned into a slide for kids to come. <laughs> yeah. it would be the logical thing to do would be to have fun the, on the slide and the swings under the engines <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, even like uh, Rutherford and Tendy having like these little Zephyr Cochran baseball caps or whatever they're supposed to be. Yeah, uh, definitely. But they're here to they're here just to get the Phoenix, uh, yeah, and to steal this ship. That's their their plan so, here. So is it like? Is it, do you think it's like a Phoenix replica, or if it's or do they does it have the Phoenix on like a consistent like launching loop like a fucking roller coaster? Is that what I, like, I, it is? I think it's a replica. I don't think it's the original ship because yeah. I, Picard says that the actually the original ship's in the Smithsonian, so it's not actually. Yeah. Here. Okay, so um, that was definitely yeah. That would make more sense because it would be like be wild if they're just like yeah the uh, the 
the keystone to our entire civilization. You know, we're just going to let people ride that like a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's just a reenactment here. Um, and so we they're in line here. And this is where, like, James Cromwell comes back. He comes back as, like, Zephyr Cochran. Oh, boy. Hi, I'm just finishing up some repairs. And you should finish up any snacks, as no food or beverages are allowed inside the Phoenix. <laughs> Those two just like gobble up the rest of their churros. Hello, explorers, and welcome to the 21st century. We hope you enjoy yourself and make a first contact with fun. Fun! Make a first contact with fun. Uh, and they're like, well, this ship is automated. And Rutherford explains he's just going to like turn off the automation. So they're all getting in. And then, like, the plan kind of gets thrown off here when they realize there's somebody else on this ride with them. It turns out this guy is named Gavin. Um, I don't know if I loved this gag in the episode, but they they sure went for it. He was just like this guy. I would have like, loved it if his name was Davin. <laughs> if it had been Davin, that would have been that would have been meta. Um, <laughs> and he's just like this guy who's like super nervous to fly, and he's like, I don't know if I could do this. And by the end, he's he's taking over. Um, yeah, he's just kind of freaking out. They're like, why don't you get the next one? He's like, nope, the regulations say that five people to a ship or whatever. So um, break the rules. Yeah, and they get the we get the whole launch here. Uh, uh we get the holographic Zeph from Cochran kind of pops into the into the cockpit here. Hey, how's it going? You know, and he's like, just remember, we gotta get our music here. Um, where is it? Oh, before I forget, let's rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> and they're off to space here uh going on up and she mariner takes off her her, her seatbelt or whatever and gavin's like what the hell's going on I, I guess there is gravity on this ship yeah it can't be the, it can't be the original phoenix either uh yeah, for that yeah. reason it also looks a hell of a lot bigger than uh it should because the original cockpit of the phoenix is only like two meters long and this is way yeah it was very cramped yeah this is definitely some sort of like ride replica for sure yeah like an update to it um and uh yeah is that from cochran's like uh oh let's bring what i like to call the warp core online warp core <laughs> what i like to call the warp core warp core <laughs> Yeah, uh, so that's a, also some good stuff here. He's like, sorry, Zeph from Cochran, as he uh, kind of reverse hacks him here. Um, they take over the ship. Uh, it's a bit of a rough ride. And It's, and, uh, it's, it it's one of my two favorite cameos this episode. Yeah, <laughs> this is great. Uh, it's great that they got him to come back and do this. Uh, first time since Enterprise, I can remember Zeph from Cochran doing anything with the Zeph from Cochran character. Uh, and and some great like visuals here in this episode too. Yeah, um, like right. as we see the Phoenix or the Phoenix replica approach, and we you know we see the Cerritos. Like you go back and look at season one compared to how like how good the animation looks now in the in the season two and and now three. Uh, it's quite it's quite an update. Um, Did they deshell the Cerritos because it's technically in dry dock? Is that why? It well, it got it got um, yeah. They had to take off the outer hole in like the end of season two for that mission, and I get looks like right. they just haven't they haven't replaced it. So I guess not that much time has gone by since the end of season two because uh, they, st they they were they were going to presumably put a new outer hole on at some point. Yeah. They just haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, so they approach the ship. 
and then you know they dock and, and they come in here and uh, they just leave Gavin. They're like, "Hey, man, what's going on?" He's like, "I'm." This is where he's like, "I'm going to take over. I am the captain now." And they're like, "Cool, man. Have fun. You got this." He's like on the Explorer Juice. We get you, man. We got you. You're, you're all good, man. Whatever's good for you. And like they just kind of like let him peace out here, and he's just you know. He, uh, I guess he doesn't care. Anyway, they get to um, uh, the Cerritos lower decks uh, where where Boimler has his pad. Um, you show it off like, you know, look, I got all the blogs. And at first it seems promising. But then they start to play these. And uh, there's some there's some interesting ones in here. And I think I heard Ransom say my name today. He might have said Boiler, but still. Name recognition. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, they, like, all this? it. <laughs> Oh yeah, I love Jack Quaid's amazing on this show, um, and uh, just like some of the lines they give him, and then it, like what else has he got here? Got caught sniffing the captain's chair again. Got... <laughs> <laughs> like... Gotta be better about hiding my purple hair dye. Nobody knows my real hair color. <laughs> you know, That's the true secret of the show. What is his real hair color? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was, you see, he, he also dyes his like eyebrows purple. Mm-hmm. So do you know they 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 announced that they're going to be doing a lower decks and strange new worlds crossover, live action crossover. I heard um, that. I kind of wish they just like pulled the curtain on that as the episode aired. That would have been way more entertaining and surprising as opposed to them just being like, "Oh, it's going to happen." Now I'm expecting it, and now there's like expectations within that and how it's going to be pulled off. Yeah, like, yeah. and I, and I, I do, and I assume that we're gonna get um, Jack Quaid full on with purple hair and purple eyebrows. Uh, I mean, he in. has to at this point. If he doesn't, it'll be a disappointment. Like, like, like realistically. So, I mean, he better come in looking like a walking Teletubby. Yeah. Uh, comment here from Sam Higdon. I wonder if John Cochran or David Wright do any of the writing on the episodes this season. Uh, I believe they do, Sam. And uh, if you don't know, uh, Chris, John Cochran and David Wright are um, Survivor alumni who are both on the writer staff for this show. Um, John Cochran, he actually went on. He won one of the seasons. David Wright came very. He was in like the Millennials versus Gen X season. And so there's yeah, there's there's a bunch of like Survivor people coincidentally involved Wait, with this show what i know i know it's random <laughs> but what, the hell? <laughs> what kind of fucking bet is that <laughs> yeah i know you know uh john cochran uh he's been involved with the show since season one i think he wrote the badgie episode which is not my favorite but david wright has written some of my favorite episodes of this show so far um how yeah. did they ever get involved in this that's i think they were they were already writers and then they just you know they ended up doing it uh so coincidentally yeah. Oh, and then Sam also says live action and animation crossover is weird. Well, it can be, but it could be good too. So let's we'll give it. We'll give it. Uh, I think Jonathan Frakes is is. The, I think he understands both. He's going to direct the episode, and uh, I think it's going to be really good because I think he understands both shows because he's you know he's been involved in both um, and how to totally bring them together. So excited. I for mean, that. to to be fair, um, to be fair, I do believe that. Uh, I think the most interesting way to maybe pull that episode off would be have live action and cartoon scenes, you know? And then, yeah, probably. Like, they they kind of maybe jump back and forth, like with some of the strange adventures going to like a cartoon scene and then 
I don't know, maybe it's some sort of like weird interdimensional thing. Like, like think like uh, that old Simpsons episode where Homer goes to the portal and he becomes 3D and then he goes through a portal again and he's walking in like a fucking real world sort of situation. Yeah, like I could see that. You could do the whole uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit style, which I don't think would work. Mm. Um, or yeah, you or just have like these Lower Decks characters come into a live action show. And like as they're, like, the good thing is that they they all look enough like they're you know obviously uh tendy's not green in real life but uh that's easy enough to do with makeup and the rest of them could could play these characters uh, they all... the other i forget the other guy's name that does um the, the, Ru- the guy rutherford? The Pat, rutherford yeah rutherford i forget eugene cordero yeah eugene that's right but he's 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 i think he's noticeably shorter than what they portray rutherford as so i don't know if he'd be able to Oh, you can give him lifts. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. a good point. Uh, Put him yeah, on an and, Apple box or two. And <laughs> Eugene Cordero and um, Jack Quaid have never actually met in real life. Yeah. To this, even up to this point, of three seasons of the show. So, um, but it'd be interesting to see. I think it's only going to be Mariner and Rather um, Boimler who are going to be part of that crossover. Anyway, so this whole thing, this whole like trip to the uh, to the Cerritos to get these logs, Mariner's not feeling like this is the smoking gun she was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, she's kind of she has a boimler's bloopers. <laughs> yeah, boimler's bloopers. It's just kind of what all it was. Uh, they try to console her here, you know, as she's uh, a couple times, but like Mariner's just like she needs to do something to help her mother, but she really can't. And she yeah. doesn't want to like the whole point of the episode. She doesn't want to listen to her father's advice, which is just wait and see how this plays out and uh, trust you'll get the there. system. Trust the system. She doesn't want to trust the system. Uh, so they're getting ready to leave here uh in the shuttle but uh mariner like puts it on like some kind of override lockout and gets it to fly away because she's she's still gonna go on to her little um save the day mission rogue mission but she doesn't want them to get implicated so she's kind of like pushing them out here she goes to the bridge gets the ship back online you know they're kind of they're calling her over the comm like hey like we you gotta stop what you're doing but she's on she's on a mission here uh, to do whatever she needs to, and she's not going to stop. So she's taking the ship. Uh, she 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 gets the moorings off, and they're on their way. And they're like, "We got to go in there." Uh, and Boimler is able to like reprogram the computer, basically, to uh, instead of it taking them back home to Earth, they I just programmed the ship to be home or to be Earth, and this works. But um, the ship, uh, like, or the, the autopilot thinks that there's going to be like um, the to slow them down on descent and uh it's not good it, that's not going to be the case here and they have like a they have a pretty uh extreme crash through the shuttle bay yeah they're lucky that didn't like vastly explode and it just turned into like almost like a, a, a just a regular car accident almost it's like this yeah. is how shuttles should survive accidents not just <laughs> And, it, and it's interesting. I, I don't know because um, the, the California class is, you know, they're all named for the cities of California. And then the shuttles are named after like trees. Like this is the shuttlecraft Joshua tree. And there's like the shuttlecraft Redwood. And, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, things there. But yeah, you're, they're, they're all kind of just like happy they're alive um, in this moment. Anyway, they come to the bridge to confront Mariner. And, uh, you know, she's like no i'm not gonna be stopped they're trying to drag her down as she's as she's stealing the ship and over to the star base we get these like two security guards who are just like bored playing like three-dimensional chess and uh, and uh not, you know just having like a dull day and they're like hey is the uh cerritos supposed to be going out today huh what no <laughs> it's been granted yeah i just like how they're like watching it fly out here and then this guy's just like uh red alert 
Yeah. They're all playing. But uh, they're able to like slow down Mariner just enough here, Tendi and um, Boimler, to get like Rutherford gets far enough away to kind of outdo the the uh, the uh, autopilot. And then Mariner has keys, kind of if you will. Yeah. <laughs> She has like this real like uh, like kind of breakdown here where she's like she realizes she, she you know she can't she's just trying to do whatever she can um, uh, to get over this. But this is when Starfleet security kind of like catches up with them. We see like these two little raider ships, which uh, I thought were really cool looking. I couldn't remember yeah. if we've seen the, that class before. Maybe in like the Dominion War, I think maybe we saw those before. Um, and anyway, so like. They're gonna call. We see like the the space orgy uh, is coming to fly uh, over to them here, um, and that they're they're right in the, the path here. And we, we also get we're getting more indications here. This because they 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 showed at the end of like season two that Tendi is going to move on from just being like a nurse basically in sickbay. She's mm -hmm. going to become more of a science officer type uh, and is going to do a little bit more external science work, I guess, uh, moving forward. And so, yeah, all these aliens are coming all over the ship and kind of using them as a breeding ground, I guess. Yeah, these uh, very pink sperm-like looking tardigrades. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and and this oh, is where wow. they get they get they get this like angry looking Starfleet security guy with a crew cut who calls up them up here. What are you doing? Uh, we're doing scientific research, sir. Uh, this is a very important mission. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's kind of, it seems to be kind of working. They head down to like sick bay and like they kind of continue like this thing where they're, uh, you know, they're, they're basically helping facilitate the orgy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Getting, getting, passing, passing eggs from one sack to the other. It would seem <laughs> it was like, it's like, it's, it seems like they breed like frogs or something, but they kind of breed like seahorses i don't know it's weird <laughs> yeah it was like these guys are like oh this is weird and awkward um you know it's even giving them like electric shocks as they're going yeah here. yeah they're like jellyfish too yeah they're just like zapping them like like with like these little like you know i the whole time that i was just like i wonder if that place smells like grape jelly like when <laughs> i was watching that <laughs> It's what you would imagine. It's what you uh, you think it should smell like, for sure. You would hope, at least. <laughs> or maybe something worse. Uh, space oh. boo, um, if you will. Yeah. They're all, they're all having... They're all kind of keeping this on. I, think, um, I did like pull the clip here. He's like, are we in trouble? Uh, and let me just say, I love seeing junior officers committed to the pursuit of science. Yeah, man. <laughs> that is us. Just pursue it and do it. Super. Don't just need to know who your superior officer is that uh, that ordered this mission. They're like, huh? Uh, uh, they get a little awkward here. This and is when the jig is up. The jig is up. What are they going to do? Oh, oh. And then uh, Captain Freeman and Shax and uh, Admiral Freeman and Dr. Tiana all arrive and walk in and say, I ordered the, the thing here. Uh, they said, oh, okay, very good, Captain Freeman. And then they walk off. And then there's just like a, a shift here where they're like, you motherfucker like what the hell are you up to what are you doing stealing the ship you didn't trust the system you didn't trust the system beckett what are you doing yeah. uh I, she, you know, she's just kind of happy to see her mom out of custody or out of jail um but continuing this thing like you can't do this but then like what you i, I pulled the whole speech here because we how can you not like she explains mm -hmm. the whole thing here while i was sitting in court starfleet was carrying out a secret investigation into the Patlet bombing 
led by Captain Morgan Bateson, this elite. Captain Morgan Bateson, of, which was uh, Kelsey Grammer's character in the episode um, Cause and Effect, who shows up right at the end of that time loop episode in Next Generation. Do you, do you know you know the one where that. where they're all going back in time like over and over again and they have to like figure out from the poker game or the number three on a uh, Riker's collar and at the end yeah. like Kelsey Grammer Frazier himself comes on screen and and that's who Captain Morgan Bateson is so we're seeing like he's become some sort of a black ops captain uh, by 2381 working for uh, uh what, what what's that division called like uh sector 31 section or 31 or or maybe yeah. just starfleet intelligence or something like that yeah. but yeah he's back okay, so that brings the cameo can up to three to a known data oh. oh sorry uh to the known data fabricator whom they discovered had faked the incriminating footage of me they pursued <laughs> and captured this forger inside the romulan neutral zone under some rather invasive questioning from commander tuvok this forger revealed the true identity of the bombers the Packlids themselves. What? It was a what? huge reveal. What? Turns out that their plan was to blow up their own capital and frame me to force the Federation into relocating them to a more resource-rich planet. So it was a classic Packlid Samaritan snare, writ large, and it would have worked if not for Starfleet's best believing in one of their own. Holy sh! Oh, can we hear that again, please? Can we hear that again, please? Yeah, yeah and we, I was like, I want to watch that episode. <laughs> I want to know, like, what, we didn't get to see any of this, right? Like, you know, and, and there's Kelsey Grammer's character to the, to the on the our right to uh, Mariner there in, yeah. in his full uniform. Um, along yeah, with like, like stoked for Tuvok to show up. I was like, yeah, Tuvok's back, and uh, he's a commander now. And why, why was he on this mission? I guess he's working with Captain Bateson um yeah, so he, yeah he comes back in more future episodes it'd be cool to so like do a voice or something like that do some give us some tuvok when we where's yeah. our where's our our tuvok when we need it um i know i got some tube to me here you require more discipline uh you lack mental discipline that's right um you require more training that's right anyway <laughs> So anyway, they're like, uh, I told you, uh, Beckett, to trust in the system, you know? Uh, anyway, so there's a bit of, there's a bit of like, you got to answer for this, Mariner, Beckett. And he, she just puts it, she's like, you out of the three, whatever the hell this is, clean it up. I don't even know what's going on. They're like, yes, man. All right. So we go, uh, we, we come around here to, I guess this is the ready room, um, you know, and basically her parents are like giving her a dressing down. Uh, yeah, back at yeah. the ready room post orgy. Post orgy, like I'm happy you came, you love me and all this thing, but like you're not, you can't do this. I can't, you won't accept me as an authority figure. She's like, well, where am I gonna go now? And he's like, you can't. This is the bottom. Like, there's no, there's nowhere lower than California class ships. Apparently, I guess you think they would assign her to like, I don't know, like the, where those guys were playing the three dimensional chess earlier on. Uh, that would yeah, be, like a guard post or something. It's like okay, now you're like an interdimensional like. Uh, uh, toll gatekeeper. <laughs> right, right. This sector, and you've got to collect tolls from everyone that passes through. <laughs> There's got to be lamer jobs in Starfleet than working on a ship. Um, yeah. 
Anyway, but uh, she's she got she's got her solution for it. Uh, we're gonna come out here and we are going we're going to uh, get Captain or Commander Ransom involved. Not this guy. They haven't had a, the best relationship, uh, Mariner mm-hmm. and uh, Ransom, in the past. Um, you know, and uh, Ransom's here to. Uh, as far as you're concerned, Mariner, I'm your mama now. He's your, he's the mama now. So okay, I guess this is gonna be a storyline. Mama. Um, I I don't I wasn't like necessarily super excited by what they're setting up here, but maybe I think they've had good comedy these two in the past. So um, yeah, but, yeah. Again, like that's kind of thing. I think that's why I f- feel like this episode was you know uh, a little weak, if uh, in the most part. Uh, yeah, like not much. Really, like, the whole thing with Mer- with Freeman, Captain Freeman, was solved, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and did our characters grow? Not really. Um, did they change anyway? But uh, they're happy to be home, you know. <sighs> you know, even covered in alien sploof, there's no place I'd rather be. Yeah, home, sticky home. Home, sticky sploof. home. They're back here. Uh, and then we we get this like this fine uh, oh yeah. oh hey turn on FNN and they do uh, there was some kid who solved like the a mathematical equation or something and then they, they we 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 catch up here with Captain Gavin or whatever. But first, a daring rescue near the moons of Jupiter as a malfunctioning theme park ride leaves one young man traumatized. No, no, let me go! I'm Captain Gavin. I am on a trek amongst the stars. <laughs> And that's it. Like that's the end of the episode. Um, I mean, I think that was a pretty funny ending. Like there, you're right. There were definitely funny moments. Um, but yeah, I kind of felt like the episode was a bit of a nothing burger. Like I, they, it seemed like they wrapped up the big cliffhanger at the end of her mom, you know, potentially going off for a trial, like in a snap, and then right. I mean. We now know that the word for splooge in the Star Trek universe is sploof. <laughs> so, like, there were funny uh, moments. It just felt like, I don't know. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And Okay, so we're going to get into our ratings here. Just give me two seconds to get this set up for you. Because uh, you've never rated a Lower Decks episode before. Um, and I just realized I don't have that keyed up here in the aggregate. So... Murphy, doo, doo, doo. you're following along at home. I'm doing spreadsheet fun. Um, Excel. We Excel. Excel. Not, not just any Excel, the web-based Excel. Uh, uh, there you are. Okay. All right. So sorry about that. I just had to new raider means uh, different things. Okay. So let's get into our ratings here for this episode. Uh, the season three episode one grounded. Um, I, I'm not really giving it a 10. Um, I think I'm, I'm going, uh, I'm going eight and a half. I think it was good. Um, I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Here. Yeah. Um, honestly, I would give it like a soft six. Like it was, there were funny moments, like just overall, it felt like a nothing burger. Like there was, you know, a quick wrap up. There was the funny moments of James Cromwell and, and certain jokes, but ultimately I was like, there's been better episodes of Lower Decks and it's not gonna, I'm not saying it's a down hole, like a, there's a whole season to be played out forward and those episodes I trust will probably be a lot better. Um, yeah, yeah. And, like, and I think that is like the pattern with this show is like it gets, it, it gets better as it goes. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so this is with only 37 votes so far today, uh, it is up to an 8.4 out of 10. I don't think that will necessarily hold. As mentioned, Chris Kula wrote this episode. He, what is he, he, he Oh, he wrote like season two uh, or episode two, the Kayshawn, his eyes open episode last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well, we can, yeah, you can see like John Cochran, and David Wright. Uh, have written quite a few episodes, and I expect we will see their names appear. I, I saw John Cochran still an executive producer on the show. Um, uh, yes. I think we're still in 2381 in terms of just like this, the year, and I would say this was a Mariner focused episode, but kind of ensemble as well. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. It was definitely Mariner plus ensemble. It was sort of like a reintroduction to, you know, the main four, and then, you know, sort of like here's everywhere else, and then it's all going to loop in by the end of the episode, so we can start a whole new adventure on the Cerritos. Let's just, you know, I'm down for it. I'm always down for the Cerritos. It's a good time. Yeah, So, and uh, Murphy, we'll get your um, uh, your your sort of your ratings from the past episodes uh, later on, so we can kind of uh, bring those those in, but right now, yeah, you're, it seems like you don't like Lower Decks very much, but I think that's, uh, you do. Uh, no, uh, it's not, well, I mean, at the moment, yeah, the scoreboard uh, dictates that I don't like Lower Decks very much, but that's not true. I do, and I do enjoy some other episodes. I might actually rewatch those other episodes just to sort of like refresh, because it's been a hot minute since... I've watched them, and I, I don't know. I just want a little more Star Trek in my day-to-day. So uh, while I wait for the next episodes, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll send you my ratings and fill those in. Um, oh, yeah, I'll send you the link to the sheet. You can. This is a live sheet. You can just oh, and, uh, oh, yeah, perfect. To it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. and then next next episode next week is called The Least Dangerous Game. I don't know what that's a, a play on. I can't remember. I was, was there an episode ever called The Most Dangerous Game? Um, I don't know. I can't. Maybe in like an old next generation episode potentially. Maybe, but yeah, it's it's not it's not like necessarily ringing any bells with me. So uh, we'll see what that one's. But you know, assume that the crew is going to be back on the Cerritos. We're going to be continuing this whole story with, I guess, Ransom is going to be uh, turning Mariner into Starfleet material or not. Um, Tendy's becoming more of a science officer, less of a medical mm-hmm. officer, and I don't think Rutherford or Boimler have anything in particular on the horizon. Yeah, um, they just kind of seem like they're along for the ride. Like there's, there seemed like a bit of setup for at least two of the four, you know, for the most part, main characters. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping there's there's some strong footing for some interesting stories this season. You know, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, what I'm also curious because they're they're quickly approaching the time. Um, basically of when like this whole Romulan supernova thing is going to be going on. Uh, you know, like we saw in, in flashbacks from flashbacks from Picard that like, you know, like he was the admiral of like the, the fleet that was trying to like um, uh, evacuate Romulus before like that supernova went off. Uh, there's yeah. going to be, there's going to be like everything with the synths uh, is going to eventually be kind of happening with like the, the rebellion on Mars and, um, the synth band that will come into effect, but they're still about four years away from those events. So, like, there uh, will the uni- I'm, I keep wondering with the uniforms change because we saw that there was kind of a different uniform style in that time. Um, we see that like California class has their own uniforms, but we see a ton of these gray top uniforms uh, are being worn uh, concurrently as well. And I, I'm the one who pays a lot of attention to these uniforms, maybe more than most Star Trek fans do. Uh, but it's just like the continuity. I'm always looking for like, let's be consistent with our continuity if we can. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. No, you're you've got an you've got an eye on the Starfleet threads. That's for sure. 
Yeah, I got a few in the closet too. So, um, <laughs> but on that note, I think we can uh, we can we can we can close the book here on grounded. Uh, make sure to let us know what you thought of the episode, everybody. Uh, give leave us comments. Uh, you know, if, if you weren't able to watch here live with us, uh, we'll definitely check that out after the fact. Um, you know, what are you hoping for in season three of Lower Decks? And what's your what's some of your favorite moments here? Um, we'll be back next Thursday to talk about the next one. Probably not this early in the day. Uh, and what else? Um, you should check out our Monday podcast where we talk about Star Trek uh, Enterprise. That's right. Um, where uh, where we talk about we go through episode by episode. We're gonna be on this Monday. We're talking about the Enterprise episode, season two, uh, Dawn. It's called. Um, it was in season two, episode thirteen. Uh, it's a trip focused episode. And then next week we're going to be ta- uh, on Tuesday. We're talking about Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, which we've been doing, going through episode by episode for well over two years now. It's called Deep Space Nine at Nine Ish. We got the episode. It's called In the Cards, and this is one where Jake Cisco is trying to get. Um, the uh, like a baseball a willie mays baseball card for his dad right and it's, it's actually, oh yeah i think i remember that episode yeah it's a really good episode uh, i'm looking forward to going back and looking that uh, back on that one um it's michael dorn's first uh start directorial debut it's the first time he ever directed anything uh and i think the it turned out better than the rise episode he directed i think in enterprise so uh it's uh i'm looking forward to that and then lower decks next week star trek radio theater probably back in september uh, kind of figure out which one we're doing there, but check out our back catalog, our Star Trek Radio Theater episodes, uh, our audio dramas where we reenact the episodes, and uh, and what else? Uh, Super Mater Brothers podcasting is our our other channel. It's like where we talk about reality tv um mostly but not exclusively uh right now we're covering big brother 24 if you're watching that week to week or we often we talk about survivor uh we talk about big brother canada we've talked about different marvel shows so check out that channel super made brothers podcasting and trivial debates is our third one where we have like a monthly show we uh, kind of do a game show format there's a host there's three contestants we talk about movies tv uh there's a there's a winner each round uh we just had chris actually you were just hosting this most recent one august 21st um yep. and uh it jody was, simpson uh, it was a nail biter it was it was um oh, oh sorry i'm getting a call coming uh can you just hold for one second for right? sure uh i can i can chat while you you do that uh so yeah we hosted uh trivial debates there uh if you guys want to find it on our youtube and also if you guys wanted to follow us on instagram and TikTok, you can find us at Live Long and Podcast, Live Long and Podcast OG on Instagram, and Live Long and Podcast TikTok. Um, we uh, are hoping to post a little more up on that soon. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to have ourselves a, another uh, Trivial Debates episode uh, next month. Uh, I believe we might have Jody Simpson hosting that episode. To be determined, though, but keep an eye on our feeds for that information. Um, it was a good episode of Star Trek or Dex today, I do believe. What do you say, Dave? I say thanks. Thanks for helping me fill that those that, those minutes while I was on the phone. There was like I, I, I'm waiting for a delivery to come, and I was like, "When are you going to be here?" Basically, is all I wanted to know. Um, yeah. So, so got that solved. Um, so thank, thank, thanks, thanks for helping out with that, Chris. Um, and check out our other our friends' podcast, like Davin Skillhorn. He's got his own Star Trek channel called Locutors of Trek. He does with his uh, buddy Dave. 
Pugsley, uh, which uh, they talk, they do trivia, they do uh, different uh, writer's room sessions. Uh, they do some fun things. Check out Locutors of Trek and his other one. It's called X-Rated. It's an X-Men, the animated series podcast where him and Andre go through episode by episode, rating those, discussing those. Uh, uh, check that as well. Uh, Michael Chan and Alex Blackburn at the Hellbound podcast every Wednesday, a horror-themed podcast. And my son, Eamon Mater, has got... Let's talk about fighting games. He does under his name, Sam Jerka, along with his buddies, Super Smash Bros. Seth and Paranoia. Uh, check out that on, uh, on Spotify, wherever you get your audio podcasts. And on that note, uh, thank you for being with us uh, for this uh, afternoon edition of Star Trek Lower Decks. And we will, uh, we'll be back next time. Thank you to, um, uh, to, to you, Chris. And uh, we'll see you yeah. next time. All right. We'll be back next week. Cheers. Right, here's, the best, here's the best quote to go out on. All right. Starfleet Captain Carol Freeman stands accused of orchestrating a devastating attack on the Packlid capital, a place they call, oh. quote, Big Strong City.